Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. If you would like to pull out the Bible and the chair underneath you, you can find this on page 947. This is Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Everett Metters. I'm one of the elders here at Trinity. Thank you for being with us this morning. We are thrilled that you're here. It's awesome to be together with God's people to worship him and sing his praise, even on uh, snowy mornings, maybe especially on snowy mornings. And I want to apologize in advance, especially possibly to people who might be listening to this online. I've had a cold all week, sinus infection, all that good stuff. So there may be some coughing in this, uh, in this message that more than usual. So pray that my voice would stick with us through the whole sermon. Join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, that you out of the overflow of the love that you had with your Son and with the Holy Spirit, created this world, created people in your image to be part of it, to bring your glory. And when we failed in that, you sent your Son to die, to redeem us. You raised him from the dead. He poured out your spirit on us that we might be your people, that we might be restored to that mission of living for your glory and for displaying your greatness in all the cosmos. Lord, we thank you for your love and for your mercy. Father, help us to hear your word today. Help us to obey what you speak. Lord, help me to speak your words and help me to have a voice for the next 25 minutes or so. Father, we thank you in all these things through Jesus Christ. Amen. So several years ago, there was a book that came out called The Year of Living Biblically. It was by a uh, New York writer, A.J. Jacobs, who came from a uh, secular Jewish background where he had the idea that he would try to spend a year obeying every commandment in the Bible, literally. And he would write about this process and, uh, and produce a book and get richer than he already was from his other books. And then last year, they made this into a TV series that the first episode at least was mildly amusing. One of the things that struck me as I was 
listening to the audio book, and this was a few years ago, so I may remember some de- details inaccurately, um, but, but something that struck me about this whole project was this, this, this idea was to take every law in the Bible, every commandment, and live it out over the course of a year. And he does a really good job of talking about his experience of, of trying to figure out how it is he can plausibly get away with stoning an adulterer um, in 2005, 2006, New York. Um, he ends up throwing a pebble at a guy. Um, he, does, he does a good job explaining the negotiations he has to go through with his wife about why he won't sit on the things, same chairs that she is sitting on during, during a certain time. There's, there's just, it, parts of the book are very amusing. But one of the things that I was left with as I was listening to this book that was that, you know, there's a lot of the kind of, a, there's a lot of the small commands. There's a lot of intricately detailed commandments in the Bible that we read about and we kind of, we kind of wonder about, like, why did God command that and how is that supposed to work? But there's also really big commands, like love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. That is not something you can try on for a couple of weeks just to see how it works. We see this, we, we see this problem for the, for the people of Israel throughout the Bible, that God has given them commandments and laws out of his mercy, out of his love, out of his purpose to call them to be a people who can live with him, who can be with a holy God. And they hear the laws and they read the laws and they focus on getting the exact detail of if I'm unclean, I'm supposed to be unclean for 24 hours, so when does that start? How long does it end? They, they focus on getting the sacrifice right so that they can earn approval from God but not on walking in the approval and love that God has called them to. And Jesus points this out to the Pharisees that look, you guys, you're really careful with your cups to, to make sure that you, you, you strain out the, all the gnats, all the little particles so you're not unclean, but you have this envy and pride and murder in your heart. And it doesn't matter what's in the cup if you've got pride and envy and murder in your heart. God rebukes the Israelites in Isaiah chapter one because they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And that was just, that was just a continual, there were a couple of other continual themes in the back of my mind as I was listening to this book. But that was the one that rang their loudest and clearest. Like if you're gonna obey all the commands of the Bible, you gotta start with the big ones and work your way down to the little ones. 
got to love God. You've got to love your neighbor as yourself. And it is, it is the same way with worship. That Cody and the band can play all the right notes and sing the right words and, and hit the bridge and, and, and we can be out here listening and singing along and I can be raising my hands and shouting and people can be standing in the back dancing and people can be sitting and listening quietly and people can be standing there and singing and we can all be doing the things that we're doing right and it can be no different from a U2 concert or, you know, whatever, whatever's a current band or group now, um, you know, a Lizzo concert or whatever. Um, I mean, you can, be, you can be tapped into the music, but if your heart is not after God, then it's all for nothing. Then you can be a banging gong and a clanging cymbal if you don't have love. So this morning, we want to talk about worship and about true worship. We're in the midst of our kind of annual recalibrate series where at the start of the year, we refocus on what it is we believe and value as a church. Last week, Mike talked to us about the gospel and it was awesome. Our mission as a church is to make gospel-centered disciples of Christ who love God and live for others in community. Gospel-centered disciples of Jesus who love God and live for others in community. It's on a big sign out there, you can look at it. Um, and, and we've decided that, that our part as a church in, in, in living that out, that there are certain values we wanna highlight. The, and it all centers around the idea of the gospel, but we wanna focus on worship, on worshiping God. We wanna focus on, on community, on living life together and on mission, going out and telling the good news wherever we are. And so this morning our focus is mission. The way that we think about mission in our little booklet that we uh, released last week with uh, the principles and guiding values is that we want our worship to be all of God. We want, to, to, we want our worship to be guided by the full biblical picture of who God is. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from all eternity. A God who is unfathomably awesome, unfathomably holy and different from who and what we are, but who has acted in Christ to bridge that gap. A God of justice, a God of mercy, a God of love, a God of holiness. We want our worship to be informed by all that the Bible says about God. We want our worship to characterize all of our life, that it's not just what we're doing right now, it's not just our, our act of listening attentively to God's word, or our acts of taking communion, or baptism, or singing together, singing God's praises, that worship extends beyond that to all of our life, and that worship is something for all of us, that it's not just about me and my experience on Sunday morning. 
It's not just about you and your experience. It is about us. Across ages, across races, across social classes, us coming together as a body to worship this God who's called us together. So the rest of the time this morning, I'm going to focus primarily on the all of life part of this um, as we look at, at Romans chapter 12. And so the big idea for, for the sermon this morning is that because God has redeemed you and given you new life, live every moment for God and think and do what God says. The way Ray Ortland, who's a pastor down in Nashville, used to be a professor here at uh, Trinity, the way that he sums up this passage, Romans 12, 1 and 2, is the only response to the gospel consistent with the gospel itself is to yield oneself fully to God and grow into a new life of holiness. So look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, says Paul, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. So the first thing that, I, that, that, that strikes me in this passage that I want us to focus on is that we need to remember and declare what God has done. I appeal to you by the mercies, by the mercies of God. This, this verse is a hinge in the book of Romans. Paul starts out Romans by, you know, a brief introduction to the Romans. Hey, I'm Paul, I'm coming to visit you. This is gonna be great. But then he goes on to talk about the sinfulness and idolatry that pervades all of us. We were created to know and to love God and to extend his rule through creation, to display his glory. That's what we're for. That's why I exist, that's why you exist. To adorn God's creation and just to display his glory and his magnificence and his beauty and love to all of creation. The New City Catechism asks, how and why did God create us? God created us male and female in his own image to know him, love him, live with him, and glorify him. And it is right that we who were created by God should live to his glory. It's something that we've taught the children in the, in the children's ministry here. So we were created for God's glory and we broke it, not God's glory. We broke ourselves. We were to be a perfect image and we shattered that by choosing to live for our own purposes, by choosing to disregard God's law, 
by choosing to disregard God's love and calling on us and to define for ourselves who we're going to be. And Romans 1 and 2 and 3 are about that story, about what happens when humans exchange the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. Both pagan, Gentile idolaters who are running after every altar down the street and self-aggrandizing Jews who are judging all the pagan idolaters but are mocking God by offering false sacrifices, by giving him the worst of the flock instead of the best, by hearing the word by, by straining out the gnat, but not loving their neighbor. And finally, it culminates in chapter three with this blanket condemnation that all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And then Romans turns again. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and all are freely justified by God's grace through Jesus Christ. That when we were only pursuing evil, only pursuing the inclinations of our own hearts, God sent his son among us as a propitiation, as an offering to appease the wrath that we were storing up, to deliver us from the punishment that was in store, to deliver us from the poison that we had taken into our lives. Christ died for us to remove our sins and he was raised so that we might walk in newness of life. He ascended into heaven and he poured out his spirit on his people so that we might walk in the holiness, so that we might be restored to the purpose and calling that we were given, so that we might reflect as redeemed sons of God in even greater measure of his glory than we reflected before we were fallen. Because we showed the God who was not only the creator, who was not only holiness, but who was the redeemer and the pursuer and the rescuer. By his spirit, we can walk free from our sin. By his spirit, we can put to death what was broken. Those are the mercies of God. That the captives can be set free, that the blind can see that the deaf can hear, that the sick can be made whole, that the dead can be raised. 
And so we need to remind ourselves continually of the mercies of God. We need to declare and remember to ourselves and to one another what God has done because it is the basis of our worship. It is the basis of our life in Christ. It is the basis of our transformation. As we look at Jesus on the cross and we follow him, as we look at Jesus who was raised, who intercedes for us with the Father, and we follow and obey him, then we reflect his glory. Then we are freed to live in our purpose as human beings, as the image of God. It's what we're for. And so we need to remember it and tell it to ourselves and tell it to one another and tell it to our neighbors. So remember and declare what God has done, the mercies of God. And present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Live every moment for God. In the Old Testament, in the days of Israel, God gave them a system of sacrifice where they could present offerings of their grain, of their wine, of their prophets, of their flocks, as an expression of their joy and thanks for what God had done. Also, they could present sacrifices as a means of atonement that by allowing a spotless lamb to die in their place, not just allowing, by killing a, a, a spotless lamb in their place, and so expressing their faith in God's provision and in God's forgiveness, they, their sin could be covered. That was the, the part of the system that God gave them. But there's always something incomplete and unfulfilling about the system of sacrifices in the Old Testament. Like, how is a lamb a worthy sacrifice for my affront to a holy God? How is a bull a worthy sacrifice or a turtle dove or grain or whatever is offered? How does that possibly bridge my sin? The book of Hebrews tells us that these were impermanent shadows. It was, it was something that God put in place, something practical and clear that people could put their faith in. But even still, it was only a shadow of something greater and better. And that is the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice of Jesus that covers our sin. but it's also a call to us to offer ourselves as sacrifices to God, not to you know, stand here and jab my pocket knife in my throat and die on the stage to atone for my sin, no, but to live every moment, every day in the purpose that God has given me, to love him, to know him, to glorify him. 
How can any sacrifice less than that ever be enough to express my debt and devotion to God for what he has done for me, for what he has done for you? When I was memorizing through Psalms 4 and 5, one of the things that struck me is the words there about sacrifice. In Psalm chapter 4, David speaks to, the, to, to disembodied others and commands, I should have looked this up. I didn't memorize it well. Um, in your anger, do not sin. Offer, in your anger, do not sin. Ponder in your own beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices. Put your trust in the Lord. That it just, it's just dropped into the middle of this psalm. Offer right sacrifices. Put your trust in the Lord. And then in Psalm chapter five, in the morning, I prepare a sacrifice before you and wait. There's just this emphasis on sacrifice that falls into both of these psalms that's not directly connected to anything else there. But as I was memorizing through that and I was thinking, so what does that mean? What do I do if I'm gonna offer a right sacrifice in the morning and wait? What is that but to live the rest of this day for God's purpose, to consider myself the sacrifice? And something that we often, I think, when we, when we talk about sacrifices, we talk about something that, that we're giving up that we don't want to give up. Like I'm sacrificing my time. I'm, you know, I'm, maybe I'm gonna go out and do something helpful tomorrow night and thereby sacrifice the, the time that I was planning to spend watching uh, the college football championship. Or you know, maybe I think of the time that I spent yesterday working on the sermon instead of watching the NFL playoffs. This is my sacrifice. We think of sacrifice as something we give up reluctantly. But many of the images of sacrifice in the Old Testament are things that are given joyfully. That because of what God has done for me, how can I not? How can I not rejoice to offer him all of my life? We're meant to find our joy and our satisfaction and our delight in God. Not in ourselves, not in our possessions, not in our time, not in the playoffs, even though the Patriots lost and that was a great delight. We're meant to find our delight in God. And so anything that we give out of thanksgiving to Him should be a joyful exchange. We ourselves are the sacrifice, holy and acceptable. And, and one of the interesting things that Paul does here is that he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The living sacrifice part is already interesting because usually sacrifices are killed but present your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual or reasonable, rational worship. In the mind of so many in the the Greco-Roman world, the body is a thing that's meant to be sloughed off. The body is a hindrance to spiritual, rational life. It's a prison for the soul. But Paul says, take your body, your actual flesh and blood, present that to God as a living sacrifice because all of the things that we do in worship, all of the things that we do in loving our neighbor, all of the things that we do in glorifying God, we do through our bodies. We think with our brains, we pray with our mouths and our breath. We pick up couches and carry them through the snow, or some of us did, and it's awesome for those who were there, and carry them through the snow with our bodies to bless our neighbors. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And when you give something to God, it is God's. So if you offer your body to God, consider it God's, not yours. In Romans chapter six, Paul tells the people, present your members, the different parts of your bodies, as instruments, present your bodies to, present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. Do not present them as instruments of sin. So if I have offered my body as a living sacrifice to God, can I, can I then rightly take it? Can I then rightly take my eyes and watch pornography? Can I then rightly take my, my tongue and my lips and condemn and judge and cut down my wife or my brother or my sister? Can I take my hands and steal? If I have presented this body to God, it is his. How then can I profane it? How then can I pollute his sacrifice by turning it away to other things? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Third, think and do what God says. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. We see the pattern of the world around us that lives in a way that's completely man-centered, that's completely centered on living your life and getting the most out of it as you can. On being as successful as you can, maybe loving your neighbor, 
maybe doing good, maybe contributing to worthwhile causes, maybe saving the environment. That's all, that's all part of this image, but it's all with complete reference to ourselves. It's all with complete reference to humanity and not with reference to God. It's an age that says, do what you want as long as you don't hurt somebody else. It's an age that says, you be you. Doesn't matter what God says because there's no God. That's the pattern that's around us. That's the paradigm of Netflix and Disney Plus and Hulu and Apple TV and ABC and NBC and Fox and the Tribune Company and Fox Corp and Disney and every other corporation. That's the paradigm is that it depends on you that you be yourself and live without reference to God. Do not be pressed into that image or that paradigm because we were created for more than this world. And even when this world gets things right, it's still polluted. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind and how do you renew your mind? In Colossians, Paul tells, Paul tells us to set our minds on things above where Christ is and not on earthly things. In Ephesians, he tells us to set our minds on the things of God. In Philippians, he tells the Philippians to have the mind of Christ that considers others greater than yourself. that does not grasp onto greatness, but surrenders that and empties itself in obedience to God. In Romans chapter 12, the later part of Romans chapter 12, he tells them to love one another. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. That's Romans 12, nine through 13. Before that, there's a lot of other stuff to do. After that, there's a lot of other stuff to do. Be renewed by actually doing what God says to do. Be renewed by reading the Sermon on the Mount and where it appears that Jesus is telling you to do something, do that. Be renewed by 
examining every commandment in the Bible in its proper context and obeying it as God puts it on your heart, beginning with love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. If we have no intention of actually obeying what God says, then our worship is worthless and our faith is meaningless. And we are no different than the Romans who, the the pagans who exchanged the truth about God and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. And we are no different than the Jews who offered sacrifice while tearing down the houses of the poor and building up their own mansions with the, with the, the floor beams. Hear God's word and obey it and be renewed. Think God's thoughts. Let God's word fill your mind. Rejoice in that and speak it to one another and love one another and do these things for one another and rely on God's spirit because all of the rest of that's impossible without the work of God's Holy Spirit within us. Pray for one another that we would be led by the spirit. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. That by testing and trying and proving God's promises, God's word, God's commandment, you will see that they are good, acceptable, and perfect, that they are glorifying to God and vivifying to man. Ray Ortland has a paraphrase of this passage, which I really enjoyed as I was studying. So this is the way that he, breaks, that he paraphrases Romans 12, one to two. Having spread before you, dear friends, the mercies of God, I now call you to offer your whole selves to him as a sacrifice alive with new light, with new life, set apart by holiness, pleasing to God, Such an act of worship is the only meaningful response to the gospel. Resist being stamped by the views and values of this present age. Break with the world. Open your hearts to a radically new outlook on life through a reorientation of your thinking and affections. If you will, God will equip you with discernment and quicken you with desire for living out his will that which is morally good, pleasing to him, and completely devoted. As I was studying this passage, I was also reminded of Isaac Watts in his uh, hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, in the last verse. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small, 
Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. So remember and declare what God has done. Live every moment for God. Live every moment for God and think and do what God says. Join me in prayer. And the band can come on back up. Lord, we thank you for your great mercy. Father, I pray that you would forgive us for all the many ways in which we have failed to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, all the ways that we have failed to consecrate our lives. Lord, forgive us and renew us and transform us as we follow and obey you and as we worship you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.